What's up, everybody? Vice is here again. Thank you for tuning in to another brand new episode of Writer's Block. I hope everyone has been enjoying the shows I've been putting out so far. I've had some great conversations, you know, way back with Steve to Cole to this past one where I put out the conversation I had with the incredibly funny Miss Keeley Wolf. I hope everyone has enjoyed that one. I hope they laughed anywhere near as much as I did during that conversation. She's incredibly hilarious, and I truly hope that she just absolutely destroys the, the whole world of stand-up comedy. And Because I, I genuinely feel like she has the potential to be a force to be reckoned with in the comedy landscape. So I hope everybody enjoyed that. I hope everybody's checked her out on the socials because she's incredibly funny. And now, moving on to this week. Today on the show, or this week on the show, we finally sit down with Fireglass's former drummer and my good friend, Gabe Havoc. Now, he was someone I wanted to have on the show from its inception. I talked to him about it even before I filmed the first episode, filmed, recorded, whatever. I did the first episode of the show, and he wanted to be on it, but after I got the podcast going, um, the universe just wasn't kind, and you know we couldn't make it happen. So, it finally got a chance to. I got to sit down with him, and we talked for so long. I have like four hours of content of just everything with him. We talked a lot about the Fireglass years, you know, writing music together, um, what it was like when when I joined, and just talking about life and, you know, everything in general. We, we swapped, uh, I don't want to say swap stories because we toured together, so whatever stories I have, he was there for, but we just talked. We talked for such a long time, and it was such a good conversation. I loved getting the chance to hang out with Gabe again after so long, um, so this episode, my conversation with Gabe is going to be split into two parts. So this one, this week is part one, where we talk about his beginnings, how he got into music, and then just moving on from there to how he became a drummer, the early projects he was in and getting into Fireglass and what it was like, you know, before I joined. And I think we go into right after uh, how things were right after I joined too. We talk a lot about touring and just in general, like it was a great conversation. We even talk, there's one story he mentions that I didn't know about up until this conversation about how he had to lay the smack down on a homeless guy when he was at work. That's a fucking crazy ass story. I'm pretty sure that's in one of these two parts, but if not, there's a cliffhanger for for the next part so that you want to listen to both parts of the show. But anyway... I hope you enjoy part one of my conversation with my good friend, Gabe Havoc. So pull up a seat, sit back, enjoy, and keep it right here on Writer's Block. everybody what's up vice is back again for another episode of writer's block today finally as promised because i think i teased it way back in the episode with steve i'm sitting down with my good friend and former drummer gabe and do you want to go by gabe do you want to go by havoc g havoc g G money wow (laughs) it doesn't honestly it doesn't really matter Uh, my stage name havoc gabe's gabe's fine too okay say hi to the people gabe hi hi writers blockers uh how's everybody thank you for having me (laughs) how you been dude it's been it's been a while it's it's been it has been a little bit um hey man just life back and forth up and down 
back to forward and side to side, I guess. I don't know. I'm trying to think of other directions. <laughs> you can just start making up directions. It's going to go into the fifth dimension, go to the fifth dimension and back. <laughs> just just living that dad life, right? Yes, living the dad life. I feel uh, you, man. Is very stressful. Oh, if anyone me. is uh, <laughs> contemplating to have a child. Don't do it. No, no, I'm not. I'm not going to say don't do it. No, I'm saying be aware. Uh, you're in for a ride. <laughs> that's, that's, that's accurate. That is accurate. I like that. So, so I wanted you to come on because I really, I want to, I want to get your, uh, your, your history, you know, how you came up in music and everything. Cause I know, I know what you went through. I know what you did leading up to when you were in Fireglass and stuff from, you know, everything that I learned over the years of us being in a band together. And then I really wanted to get into some of the meat of just how Fireglass was as a whole, get a different opinion on it other than my own. Yeah. So let's uh, let's dive into let's dive into that stuff here. So we'll we'll t- let's start first with how how or why did you decide to be a drummer? That's so funny. Um, I remember when I first joined Fireglass, when we had to make those huge bios, the little bios of ourselves, we had to post it on our pictures <laughs> for, and our um, football pictures. That was for the, the EPK that I was, yeah. that I had made. Yeah. 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 I, I think remember you, you had the biggest I bio this, of all of us. I had a novel. <laughs> like I, I even tried to cut it down so it wasn't so much and it was still too much information to give out. It was still like a phone book and yeah. then like breaks and CJs like, were small and then see, me and Matt's were moderate. That was, CJs was the smallest he was just like i play guitar i liked it and i picked it up (laughs) thanks have a good one (laughs) that's that's exactly what i would expect from cj but um i mean i guess to start it off uh in middle school i i guess i just randomly fell into a music class and it was uh i didn't know what to play uh, I didn't know what I was going to be good at. I was just kind of up in the dark. Uh, I, I don't know. Well, anyways, the teacher made the decision for me. He's like, all right, you're a percussion. And I'm like, uh, what? What is that? <laughs> so I guess uh, I started playing percussion for, you know, middle school concert band. And then as soon as I jumped into high school, I jumped into drumline. Uh, before I even jumped into drumline, I missed band camp. <laughs> Joke. Band camp. <laughs> One time. <laughs> I did band camp too. I did marching band. I I heard that all throughout high school, man. Uh, The first year, that's so bad how that's such a trend, man. Dude, it's terrible. It's like, oh God, band camp. Oh no. (laughs) As soon as you say those two words, like that joke has got to come up. Oh yeah. Okay, so uh, I digress. Uh, The first year I was supposed to go to band camp, uh, I missed the memo of when band camp was. So I missed it completely. So when everyone came back, uh, they were like, ooh, you missed band camp. And I'm like, uh, no one told me. And then uh, I got thrown into the pit section, which is the xylophones, you know, concert cymbals. The big basic- timpanies and all that yeah, stuff. So it's, yeah, so it's basically what I was doing before in middle school, which I didn't like because I had to haul my whole uh xylophones back and forth with like tiny winkety wheels yeah. through gravel and all these like shows that we had to go to all the football games and it sucked that was my first year i was gonna quit 
Um, and then ironically, I was like, you know what, since I had the experience with xylophones within that same year, might as well just join jazz band. And I didn't know what else to play either. So they were just like, well, I mean, somebody had meant, had given me the, uh, the advice of like, well, you have xylophones, it's pretty similar to piano. And I'm like, oh, that's a, that's a pretty good idea. So I played jazz piano for a little bit. It was absolutely horrible. You know, it, was, it sucked. I didn't know what I was doing. <laughs> just playing random notes. I, I tried as best as I possibly could. I tried to keep it to all the root notes and, and I didn't want to be all fancy and add some more notes to it because I didn't know what I was doing. So if I did try something, everyone would turn and look at me like, what are you doing? So uh, I tried to keep it as simple as possible. Uh, second year, um, I jumped from pit and into drumline finally. Um, and then I got out of jazz piano and I started playing drum set for jazz band um that's where i kind of got my my bearings since uh i was playing tenors with the uh, multiple drums and drum line um since i was like well i'm already hitting multiple surfaces might as well just jump on the drum kit you know yeah um so that kind of came natural to me i started with that and everyone was like wow you're actually pretty good at it i was like yeah i'm okay <laughs> good you know I, I understand it i yeah. know how to read it it's not hard to read if it's complicated i just kind of take it easy you know split things up so from high school i jumped from one high school to another and uh doing pretty much the same thing uh drum line drum set jazz um and then i got offered there was a band that was playing there it was a prog band that was playing in my in the second high school that i went to and uh i guess the drummer that they had wasn't very uh reliant uh so they asked me since the the pianist of the prog band was in uh, jazz band, a uh, class, and he asked me, "Do you want to join our band?" I was like, "Uh, sure." Like, yeah. I mean, you guys are complicated as all hell. Like, it's pretty crazy music. I'd, I'd love to. So I, I joined that band, and uh, it was it was a huge learning curve, right? So the music that I was listening to before I joined this band was uh, "Bullet from a Valentine." Uh, I'm trying to remember some other bands they start out with. Uh, Muse. <laughs> uh, Metallica, obviously. It's just like basic. No, it wasn't complicated, right? So it was it was easy to listen to, but it wasn't too complicated. There wasn't so a was lot the, of like like fanciness with it yeah, as, as there yeah. is with, with the prog music. Yeah, so like it was a huge learning curve, man. Like I had to just catch up to these kids. Like it was just crazy. Um, so I tried my hardest, like I didn't have any written music, so I mean, the main band that they played was Dream Theater. It's like one of the big virtuoso prog bands that you hear. Yeah. So it's like, there's some big shoes to fill, man. Like, it's, it's a lot, it's, it's a lot of work. So, uh, I, I tried my hardest and the only thing I could possibly do, um, since I didn't have a lot of music experience, and, and just basic, you know, school, general music experience when it comes to you know percussion and drumming um so when i learned the music i literally had to listen section by section as i had to learn by ear and then just like single things out like okay so what does the kick do here what does the drum the snare drum do here what is the what what symbols are is he hitting uh what's the timing uh does the tempo change does you know do i have to be on the toms do i have to just groove here do i have to count it was it was a, like I said, it was a huge learning curve. It's was, it was a lot to learn. It was a lot to learn. Was that where, uh, where picking up the double bass came into? Yeah, actually. Um, 
because I had no experience when it came to my left foot. The only the only time I would ever actually use my left foot is just to let it rest on the hi-hat. Mm-hmm. So using my left foot to kick with double kick pedals, I was like really confused at first. Um, and then it was something that I didn't realize until later. Um, there's a there's a uh, a thing that a lot of like experienced drummers that have experience with like double kick or like two two bass pedals or two bass drums um, will catch from people that just start with uh, with using both their feet. Um, something that's called the gallop. The gallop. Uh, it's like a gallop sound. If you're doing you're trying to do straight like you know double kicks where it's like da, 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 da. it's supposed to be you know like like stagnant same tonality same velocity between each foot but when you have no experience you can tell which limb is less dominant than the other <laughs> so you will have like a right footer going so it sounds like they're galloping <laughs> um, but it was something that i started out with and it was the gallop and i was you know riding away on my drum set <laughs> man it's kind of embarrassing and i'm going to and then like right after high school you know we didn't i didn't know what to do like i didn't know if i was gonna go to college I didn't know if I was honestly. I didn't even know if I was gonna graduate. So <laughs> I graduated on the skin of my teeth. I walked. I was so proud of myself. I was like, I was so close. I wasn't gonna graduate. So did I. It's okay. <laughs> oh man. Uh, but you know, the guitarist and the and the pianist that we had at the time, the keyboardist, I guess. Um, they were like, "Yeah, there's this school out in Los Angeles for uh, for music." And I was like, "Okay, you know, I'll check it out." And he was like, "Yeah, just he sent me the website and everything." I checked it, and then these big names, big guitarists, big drummers, like, like big people from like huge bands, like actually graduated from there. I was like, dude, that's that's just insane. Um, I think the Vengeance, Jackie Vengeance, Zachy, Zachy Vengeance uh, from Venged, he actually graduated from uh, MI, from Musicians Institute of Contemporary Music. I'm not I just sure. found that out recently. Really? I'll yeah. have to look into that because as far as I know, he was always like initially self-taught. No, that's uh, that's uh, Sinister. Sinister is the one that's self-taught. He does. He has no. He doesn't know anything about music theory. He never cared for it. I think that might you might have him switch because no. Sin is a prodigy because his dad is uh, his dad is Brian Hayner who I, is an insanely talented guitarist. He's a comedian, but he's a guitarist and he's really talented at it. And he's the one who taught Sin, and Zachy is the one who was self-taught. Because he just he picked it up and wanted to follow Sin. Maybe you're right. Maybe because I saw I saw. Uh, it would make sense for Sinister Gates because of who his dad is. Dad, that is true. That's true. So. Uh, yeah, because I saw an interview and then uh, Zachy was just like, yeah, he plays things and I I, I don't even know I don't even know what he's doing. Like yeah. I have to learn it somehow. I learn it. Yeah, yeah. So because of his his upbringing as a as yeah, a guitar dude, prodigy, like that he, that guitarist. You know, I, I'm, I'm sure it's probably Sinister. That was the one that graduated from MI, but. Um, he graduated from there. Uh, Paul Gilbert, um, I don't know, he's kind of an underground guitarist, but like he's an insane guitarist. Um, the drummer from, I think it was the first drummer for uh, Korn. Uh, David he, Silvera? Yeah, he's, he's the one that graduated from, uh, from MI as well. Uh, dude, there's just so many people. There was one guitarist that worked for Michael Jackson that graduated from there. Mm-hmm. Um, there's so many people that graduated from there. So I was like, dude, that's, that's, that's an insane school. Like, And then when I looked up the numbers and uh how much it was gonna cost i was like Gosh, yeah right am i gonna do this like can i do this <laughs> like this is expensive yeah um so we're just like okay we're all flat broke uh let's try finding jobs as soon as we get out of high school so that's what we did we worked for about a year um 
and then we all moved out to Los Angeles, all three of us. So it was me, uh, the guitarist at the time, and the uh, keyboardist. We all moved into a an apartment right off of Hollywood Boulevard. We really wish we could have moved somewhere else, but it was like $1,500 a month for uh, one bedroom. That is ridiculous. Yeah. On, I think, the third floor. Um, it wasn't like right on Hollywood Boulevard, but it was a street that was connected to Hollywood. It was Boulevard. close enough to jack up the price. Yes. Yeah. That is so it was, man. it was literally walking distance for me to go to school. Thankfully. Well, that's good at least. Um, but I mean, the only thing that would actually make you late is all the tourists because yeah. of the Hollywood Walk of Fame, you know, the stars. Yeah. Yeah. Ooh, look, a star. He <laughs> stopped right in front of you. <laughs> um, yeah, no, it was, uh, that was an experience. So, yeah, I went to school for, mus- uh, that's, that's, that's the school I went to out in Los Angeles, Musici- Musicians Institute of Contemporary Music. Um, it's basically the name of the game, uh, contemporary music in, in, its, in its entirety. So I went back to my roots again uh, for music theory. Uh, I learned a lot more because uh, this program for drummers, you know, wasn't just being a drummer you know oh look i bang things me drama <laughs> it was uh i gotta learn you know gear training and uh relative pitch and uh, uh just basic music theory you know uh modal changes and chord structures and uh triads and a bunch of other music stuff that a drummer would never speak of you know it's like foreign language to a drummer you bring it up to a drummer they're gonna look at you sideways like i'm not supposed to learn that thing and then uh, learning efficiently and how to play with the metronome is also another thing that I learned as well. Mm-hmm. Um, which I honestly, when I before I even went to school, uh, I thought a metronome was absolutely annoying in my ears. So, Fair. you know, getting accustomed to playing with a metronome was like is, that was also a learning curve as well. Yeah. that was. And then uh, one thing that I ended up learning too. Um, as soon as I went in for the open house before I even went into school was something as simple as like where to sit on your seat mm-hmm. because fulcrum <laughs> <laughs> and uh, you know limb pains and aches and I was like uh, that is something that I did not think of honestly I feel like that's something most people don't think of yeah, even like- something as simple like that is just the cheek location yeah, or the posture, like, <laughs> you know, could really affect the way that you play. Yeah, well, my technique is a one cheek, one cheek wonder. <laughs> what is that? Oh, I sit with one cheek, bro. <laughs> All the- that power in one cheek. <laughs> this lets the other one free fly. But, uh, I mean, that's, that's basically my upbringings when it came to music. Um, and then what of, uh, because you were in a band out there. Do you want to talk about that a little bit? Yeah, yeah. So um, the band that I was with there, uh, the two guys that I was with, uh, Shattered Systems, um, things didn't work out, uh, unfortunately. Um, it is kind of a bittersweet story. Uh, I don't really want to talk illy upon people. You don't have to say anything life. that you don't want to. Uh, it just didn't... It didn't hash out as well as I wanted it to be uh, my perspective which I did talk to them about um, it's just there wasn't any movement you know we didn't play a lot of shows we practiced a lot don't get me wrong we had a lot of options and a lot of tools and space to practice mm-hmm. like really practice 
And that's the thing with practicing, man. It's like, you do too much of it. I think if it's just in my, my experience, you do too much practicing. You get so burnt out of like trying to write new material that it just becomes a chore. You know, like you just don't want to show up to practice anymore. I feel like we hit that point several times. In yeah, class. yeah. And, and that, that's the thing is that like you got to approach practicing as if like, uh, like you got to be excited for it. Everyone's got to be a mood for it. You know, like if someone's stressed and to the point where it's just like the last thing on their mind is like practicing the same song over and over and over again, you're just going to burn someone out, man. Someone is just not going to be on, on board with it. And it happens, you know, this is just kind of the name of the game. You just practice so much to the point where you just burn yourself out. And uh, that's, that's where I was with uh, Shattered Systems. Uh, we practiced a lot, but we didn't have a lot of shows booked. And I mean, I'm, I'm willing to take responsibility a lot with it though too, because when it came down to the person that I would actually push for shows, it was literally only one person. And I feel bad because I had no experience. I don't think any of us really had any experience when it came to booking shows and connecting with people. Ironically, the school did provide us with that information, but dude, I was just way too lazy to even do it and way too tired and exhausted. So I had to work full time. I had to work full time and go to school full time. So at the end of the day, man, like I didn't want some more work put on my plate. You know, like that's that's not what I wanted. Um, I mean, I have to give him props though. Like he was basically doing roughly if anything, basically doing the same thing that I was doing, and he was still pushing for shows. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, new people joined. The music ended up changing because they couldn't play the music, or the vocalist couldn't really make his music uh, in accordance to how we already wrote the music and we performed the songs already within like two or three years. So, did it get less? proggy and more it it changed to the point where it was like i got irritated where i was just like okay so if this person cannot perform with the music that we've already produced we've already made for three years um why is he in the band yeah you know we have we have a, a vast majority of vocalists in this school it's a school full of musicians like we don't necessarily have to stick with one with one or two of these two new people. Like, we can pick other people. I'm, I'm sure there's bound to be more people that's going to show up, you know? Yeah. More musicians. Like, these are people from around the world, man. And literally, the vocalist that we had was from Brazil. So it's like, we, we, we didn't have to settle for what we had. Like, there were multiple people that liked the same music we did, if not uh, heavier. Mm-hmm. There was nothing wrong with heavy vocals i'm sure they could have adjusted there's just all i'm saying is that like there was a lot of musicians that could compromise and if a new member of the band could not compromise for a band that they were joining not the band not it wasn't the band joining them it was them joining the band yeah makes sense yeah um if they couldn't compromise or couldn't adjust then it was what it just was it gonna work yeah i I didn't never understood that aspect it was like you know we're offering you this opportunity we're a unit we're offering you this opportunity not you you're offering us the opportunity Mm -hmm. it's the other way around so if you can't perform to your best abilities and you can't adjust then i'm sorry but we gotta part ways you know we can always try something else later yeah um, we're gonna have to move forward with someone else, but that wasn't the case. Um, yeah. I feel like that's I, that's understandable. 
And uh, I, I, I just got irritated, dude. Like, it was, we were, things were just changing too much. Um, I didn't like the direction that the, the music was heading. It was too, just for the sake of doing it. It was just, they just wanted to put it out for the sake of getting it out. Mm-hmm. And I was like, dude, like, this, this isn't, this isn't what we wanted. This isn't what we, what we tried and moved out here for. Like, this isn't, we're not, we're not making these moves. And I just kind of like half-assed things. Um, on top of that too, I noticed, uh, a lot of like cold shoulder things before I even announced that like, Hey, we're not making any moves. Some I've been contemplating about quitting the band. Um, I've noticed that like they were doing things and didn't say anything so I ended up having to stay home alone mm-hmm. and they all went out to the beach or they all went out to go watch a movie together with like a group of people I was never included mm-hmm. so I felt like the outcast a lot yeah um it's, it's not any different from what I've had to grow up with anyways so it wasn't any different but it was just like these are my friends man we're like, supposed to be your friends yeah yeah like I I didn't understand what was going on um, I think a lot of it had to do with the recognition they were getting because they were really good musicians. So success will get to someone's head or over compliments will get to someone's head. The ego expands. Yeah. And that's usually what happens with a lot of people is that they don't, they never humble themselves mm-hmm. and they end up forgetting where the roots are. So when they have multiple people that tell them that they're really good at what they're doing, they start to over believe themselves and become a little too hubris so it gets in their head yeah so maybe that was a reason you know they had a more friends that they've had before and mm-hmm. they were easy to connect with people i wasn't i'm antisocial. i'm <laughs> really awkward as you can tell from this uh that's episode why, guys yeah, i'm really were, awkward <laughs> that's why you were the drummer we kept you in the back <laughs> and nobody looked at you no one talked to me i'm weird <laughs> I guarantee I am too weird for you. <laughs> how uh, how did your uh, how did your folks take uh, your decision to move out to Cali? I don't think that was one thing I had ever discussed with you. They were proud of me. Oh yeah, they were supportive of it. They were super supportive. Um, they helped me move out. Uh, got a U-Haul. They, you know, towed my truck mm-hmm. out there. Which I now that I'm thinking back, like I felt like it was a really bad decision to bring my truck out to los angeles that um, little the little black one yeah god damn yeah that was thing a was really, a piece that was a really bad idea one uh because of the weather and yeah. i had to constantly keep washing it mm-hmm. and two the parking bro the parking i didn't really use my truck to begin with because everything was relatively close yeah so it was in walking distance the only thing that was within like like kind of ways is if I wanted to go to Walmart. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a Target that was in walking distance. Like, I could have walked from school to Target. Uh, even work. Like, from school to work, it was within walking distance. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, it was such a bad decision to bring my truck out there. Because <laughs> I never really used it. Um, and then keeping up with, like, the tags. And, you know, putting it through emissions. I was just like, dude, I'm barely making any money to begin with. Like, I really don't think I'm going to have the money to even get the tags and renewing my registration and just take it anywhere in general. Even having the gas to go somewhere um, is bad, dude. Like, it was, I think I was like three, four. No, I was like, I think, no, I'm, I'm, I'm over-exaggerating. I think it was about maybe a year 
of expired tags. <laughs> uh, it was it was sitting on like a long time with expired tags. Like like the registration had suspended, mm-hmm. so I was writing on a suspended license. Uh, it was bad, dude. <laughs> and yeah, so when I when I went out to LA, my my parents were like completely supportive. My family was completely supportive. Um, it was really awesome. They helped me out and everything. They were so proud of me. My mom was helping me out for uh, for school for a little while for um, uh, student loans, thankfully. Um, and then it got too expensive for her, so I had to work more hours. Um, and then it got too expensive for me, so I couldn't do it anymore. Yeah. Uh, yeah, dude. It was uh, it was good. Um, the one thing though, uh, I will take that I did uh, that was really really uh, life changing out in Los Angeles for when I came, went to school. Uh, is when I left the band. When you left Shattered Systems? Yeah, so when I, when I, I wouldn't necessarily say, like, I left the band, it's more of, like, they kicked me out. Mm -hmm. Because after I had mentioned, it was, it was literally the day before I had mentioned, like, I was contemplating about leaving Shattered Systems. Um, the next day, um, they were like, uh, you're too hot-tempered, you're not getting along with us, uh, you're never really there, um... We're gonna have to part ways with you, and I was like, "Oh, okay." Uh, and, and I tried to talk to them about it, and I was like, "And they're like, well, you can't just change overnight." I was like, "Okay, I, I can't make a decision overnight, I guess." <laughs> so uh, they kicked me out. It took me like two, three months to even tell my parents mm-hmm. because I felt so ashamed of myself. Okay, so you you didn't like, so they they kicked you out and you didn't just like come home right off the bat. You stayed out there for a while. I stayed and I tried to fight as much as I could out there. I tried to stick with it, man. Like I went, I was like, my my first thought was, I I made all this sacrifice. I moved out here. I did all of this. Um, I put all this work for me to only have two semesters left. Mm-hmm. I might as well just finish it right yeah and things just got worse uh i got super depressed i stopped going to class uh every time i'd go to class uh everyone would give me some sour look because um these guys were just i'm I'm not saying that they were actually doing it this is just my perspective Mm -hmm. um but hearing it from other people that i did potentially try to collaborate with um say they were saying that i eat all of their food um, I'm a burden. Uh, I'm hard to work with. Um, no one really did want to work with me. Mm-hmm. And they just really put a bad name on me. So I was in a school full of musicians that didn't want to work with me. That's got to be hard, man. It sucked. It uh, really, I, really sucked. I can imagine. Uh, so, like I said, I, I just I spiraled into a really 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 bad deep depression Mm -hmm. uh i stopped going to class um i know they were trying to contact me for the longest time i just didn't care you just effectively just dropped out i effectively just didn't show up i didn't really necessarily drop out they were they were trying to get me back they were just like where are you like where did you go (laughs) where did you Um, come from cotton eye joe (laughs) (laughs) that's great um i just didn't show up uh the only thing i would look forward to is just to keep my head on straight was just go to work mm-hmm. um and even dude like my schedule out there was just crazy uh working overnights so 
this is how my schedule was. So if I got up, um, I got up at like 11 at night. So like 11 p.m. to be into work by like midnight to work till six in the morning and then to go to my classes till like maybe 5 p.m., 6 p.m. at the latest to head home, uh, do whatever homework I needed to do, sleep, to get up again at 11 for me to go to work. God, that is ridiculous, man. It was hard, dude. Oh, I can only hard. imagine. I was, dude, I was really trying my hardest to, like, to push through it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like I said, like, eventually I just, the only thing I look forward to is just going to work. Uh, that was the only thing I would look forward to. And then even that, man. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was attacked yeah no i got followed by a homeless dude you got followed okay followed sounds a lot better than being attacked oh no i got attacked you got attacked yeah no i i I was okay so i was working at um at a subway uh (laughs) close to hollywood boulevard right Mm -hmm. Uh, i think it was on la brea la brea it was one of the main streets Mm -hmm. whatever it was um it was a busy street and a subway that was open 24 hours so you can guess how many people and how the people were that would walk in at the middle of the night. Oh, yeah. Definitely not the, the friendliest sort, I would imagine. Some club yeah. people coming out of, like, some crazy raves of some crazy They're clubs. super hammered or hocked up on acid and they need something in their system. <laughs> it was crazy. Um, well, uh, I got followed by some homeless dude. Like, So after I had left, I think I denied them service. I don't remember what the hell happened. But they were just being assholes to me. And I was like, I was trying to be, I was trying to give them the benefit of the doubt. They were just being dicks, dude. Like, I was just, I was just, you know what? I'm not going to fucking help them. So I walked away. Sorry, I don't know if we wanted me to curse in the podcast. <laughs> that was that. Honestly, I think that's the, like the first. Is it? Oh, no. I've. So I'll do with uh, the other episode with a comedian is much worse. You're okay. Oh, okay, okay, okay. You're okay, I, man. I, that gives me, like, that, <laughs> that makes me feel better. No, okay. you're good. I appreciate the concern, but you're okay. Okay, so, uh, yeah, so I was like, forget it. I'm not going to help this guy. So I walked towards the back. I didn't help them. And then they waited for me outside. Um, oh, so when I left for my shift, I walked out and they followed me. <laughs> I had my drumsticks in my hand like they were going to do something. <laughs> you got something to defend yourself? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, now thinking back to it, I'm like, what the hell is wrong with me? This is a stupid decision. It's but par- at least there's Paradiddle sticks. on the dome. Like I'm trying to be Nightwing. There you go, right? Um, but uh, that was the only thing that like, that, that happened, right? So they followed me all the way until I walked home. And then uh, this was on like close to my breaking point i think if anything this basically like sealed the deal in my decision to go back home uh one day uh we had this like this homeless guy that would show up all the time uh everyone called him tupac why did they call the homeless guy tupac he would write scribbles and a bunch of paper he had so many pieces of paper just write scribbles they weren't even words it was just scribbles Mm -hmm. and it was like he was writing lyrics and like you can hear him like mumbling to himself like like he was rapping right oh okay and he kind of looked like tupac a little bit it was funny but anyways uh we everyone called him tupac and he was cool for the longest time he was very cool very chill he didn't bother anyone he was very stinky but (laughs) i mean it just just comes with being homeless right oh yeah that's fair um but anyways he wasn't all there uh one day he showed up and he had a like a two liter of like soda 
and usually he'll show up and we'll give him a cup so he can get soda because sometimes he'll be hot outside he'll be thirsty whatever um and he had a two liter of soda he had soda so there's no reason for him to be in there um so he was in there for a while and that was one thing is that we constantly have people come in that's the first thing they do is that they hold their nose because he's stinky yeah um, so it was a disturbance of the customers, you know, sometimes I'd ask them, well, come on to Bob, we gotta go, you know, and you'd be really calm, be really chill about it. But this time, I don't know what it was, like, something ticked with him. I walked up to him, I was like, come on Tupac, we gotta go, bro. Uh, you got your soda already, man. I'm, gonna, I, I, I'm sorry, but I gotta, I gotta ask you to go. And he's like, all right, all right, all right, right. So I walked away and I came back and he was still there. I was like, come on Tupac, you gotta go, bro, come on. And he didn't listen to me like he, he he heard me like he you know acknowledged that i was trying to tell him to go um but as soon as i grabbed his two liters so i can help him out he jumped up bro as like quick he jumped up quick shoved me into like two or three different tables and chairs and i flew back but like i was trying to catch myself like i didn't know what was going on this guy was like for him being homeless bro like i don't know where this crackhead energy came from but like <laughs> damn he was strong and like I, I composed myself, I got up again, and he had his pencil in his hand, so he was trying to stab me with his pencil. Mm-hmm. So I was like, he he got he like lunged at me. I, I was trying to grab his arm, I was trying to grab his neck, I was trying to grab his his hand. So I was able to grab his hand. I was able to, you know, like disarm him in some way. I don't know how the hell I did it, but I blacked out. Like as soon as he lunged at me again, like I blacked out. All I remember is me trying to grab anything, just grab his arm, grab anything. And then we went from tables and everything into the chips. <laughs> there were customers in there. Oh, man. Everyone was flipping out. Everyone's freaking out. Bomb fight! Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, you would you would hope that something. Like, there would be like, yeah, fight! Someone's no. going to have a phone out saying, world no, star! No, dude. Like, that, would not, that wasn't what it wasn't going on. I wish. I wish that was going on because I would have I gave me some context of me blacking out. Right. But uh, it was more of on the aspect of, like, me, I was somehow able to get him in a headlock and I was on him. So we're on the floor and then the customer was kicking him from underneath me. <laughs> <laughs> so they were just like get off him get off him and i was like dude why are you kicking him like i'm on him i don't what i'm assuming that they were kicking him because he was holding me as i was holding him mm-hmm. so I, I i don't know like i said i blacked out i don't know what happened and then he finally came to realization he was like wait 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 wait, wait. And he's like get off me get off me so i finally let go I, like i told him you calm tupac are you calm he's like yeah yeah and i let go of him he stood up my shirt was all ripped. I had scratches all over my neck. I had I had a cut on my cheek or something. I don't remember, dude. It was it was bad. So they called the cops. Uh, he took off. They called the cops. They followed him. They booked him for the night, and they released him again. Mm-hmm. And that's the thing with homeless people is that they can't keep homeless people booked because they're kind of homeless. So they just keep them there for the night, and then they just. You know, they let him go like somewhere far from where they where they were originally. Yeah, but that sealed the deal. Uh, from then, I went back home. Okay, I was done. Yeah, you know that's understandable. I feel like that's a that's a pretty good reason to uh, to to want to leave. <laughs> like I was like, LA does not want me. It just <laughs> ate me and spit me right back out. <laughs> so when when you came back here to Tucson. Did you did you look 
for another band right off the bat or did you take some time to kind of just readjust and reevaluate did you even want to do music anymore or did getting attacked by the hobo just like reignite (laughs) (laughs) reignite your fire to make music um it's funny because when i was with shattered systems out there uh we got offered the one thing i will take uh from being in this band is that we played at the Whiskey A Go Go in Los Angeles. Oh, that's a venue I've always wanted to play at. It was awesome. Uh, the only reason why we were able to actually play this show is because of the fact that the bass player that we had at the time, I don't know if his parents were just filthy rich or he was just completely wealthy in general, but they his parents bought all of the tickets. That was like almost $500 worth of tickets. They bought all of the tickets and all we literally had to do was just give tickets out to, mm-hmm. the, to the students in school. That's it. Oh wow! I didn't get any tickets. Like I, I was, I wasn't even. I didn't get offered any tickets at all. So all of the tickets were gone by the time they even told me about the tickets. Mm. So like, it was a full house. Like we literally played in front of a buttload of people. Like the place was packed. It was insane. It was that such an awesome, awesome show, dude. Um, but we played to this show at the Whiskey A Go Go. The famous quote unquote Whiskey A Go Go was awesome. It um, and ironically. The show that we played, I met the members of Fireglass. And this was Fireglass before I even joined Fireglass. So I were, met... Were they out there on tour or were they just happened to be there? They had uh, they had a show. They they, they played before us, actually. Oh, okay. Yeah, so I, I, I thought it was just kind of random. It yeah. was ironic. But we, we showed up. Um, then I think our vocalist was talking to the other vocalist because... They were both from Brazil, so they were talking to each other in Portuguese, and it was like... Oh, so it actually was two separate people. Okay, when you mentioned that the Shattered Systems vocalist was from Brazil, too, I thought that you were just kind of confusing stories a bit, because I know about the guy that I replaced. No, dude, it's it's crazy. What dude. a weird... So many things about that are just, like, ironic and, <laughs> right? like, just coincidental as yeah, hell, dude, man. Yeah, it was, dude, it was a trip, man. Uh... We're, we're talking about music, uh, getting to know each other. I was talking to Ermes. Um, that which was the was, dude's name, yeah. I couldn't remember what his name was. the vocalist before you, obviously. Um, uh, yeah, I was talking to him because he loved Dream Theater. He loved all the prog music that we were performing, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, so I got to know him. I got to know uh, Taylor. I got to know Matt uh, from, from Fireglass. This, Like I said, it was just a three-piece. It was just three of them. Um, so I got to know them, right? And uh, they said that they were from Tucson. I was, they were like, what? Like, what are you guys doing out here? They were like, oh, we got to offer this show. We were actually on tour. We played another show out in Long Beach. And then we came out here, we had this show. And it's just like, dude, that's so cool. Um, she got to know them. Uh, so when things went south with me and Shattered Systems, I moved back to LA. And, I, and ironically, I kept in contact with, um, with Hermes, mm-hmm. the vocalist. Um, yeah, I moved back. I moved back to uh, Tucson, and uh, I would say like a couple weeks, about maybe a month uh, of me being back. Uh, Ermis was like, "Dude, I've really been wanting to get off the kit. Do you want to join Fireglass?" Ermis was the drummer and the vocalist and the at vocalist, the time. Yeah, okay. the drummer and the vocalist. And uh, I was like, "Dude, yeah, like I'd be more than happy to." Like, because the sour taste I had left in my mouth from Shattered Systems and and then I ended up joining this other band <laughs> I don't think I really tell a lot of people about it but it's so weird no I didn't know that you were in another band before Fireglass uh, it was a little project that they were doing as an older people um, they got super salty that I left 
<laughs> um, but it was basically an 80s retro band. Right. What is an 80s retro band? So they were basically playing, they were playing uh, like Bon Jovi, uh, some other, some other 80s, it was Van Halen, some like really 80s hairstyle type, not like 80s metal, but it was just like more of like 80s retro, like pop 80s okay. type of mainstream music that was like really popular in the 80s. Um, I'm trying to think like uh, Flock Seagulls mm-hmm. stuff like that okay and they wanted me to be the drummer they wanted me to be in a neon vest a neon <laughs> purple vest and they wanted me I think my name was supposed to be like uh, God what was it like uh, Billy Bob or like the Billy the Kid or something like that I'm like what <laughs> what 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 am I getting myself into and I was like I like this music it's just what is going on? And the space that they had, they wanted me to spend money for me to practice with them at the space. So I was I was pay, potentially going to be spending more money practicing than actually playing a show. Mm-hmm. So I was like, this isn't worth it. Like, I'm not going to do this. You should have kept the vest, though. I didn't get it yet. <laughs> God damn it. I didn't get it yet. You should have kept that vest and rocked it anytime we were on stage. I probably should have stuck for a little bit longer. For me to get that neon purple vest <laughs> just so I could wear it with any other potential band I was in. So that could be my audi- my audition outfit. That was going to be, that would be your stage attire, dude. And when we were doing, when we were thinking of stage names, you wouldn't be Havoc. You would just be Barney's butt plug. <laughs> no, dude, no. I think it would have made it even worse too if I had like those, uh, parachute pants along with it oh my god that would have been fantastic and it looked like a little latino mc hammer behind the kit latino hammer <laughs> wait how do you say hammer in spanish i was just gonna ask you you're more mexican than i am <laughs> i don't i don't how do you say hammer in spanish oh god i don't know i i don't know i'm gonna have to look that up but yeah that the hammer in spanish you know that <laughs> that is now the title of this episode yeah the it's, it's the spanish. phrase hammer in spanish we, get, we gotta look up the actual word itself and yeah. then just call that <laughs> just in parentheses what it actually is oh my god oh that's great yeah so, dude. okay so you were doing this this weird um you know 80s retro thing for a bit and then did you leave that to join Fireglass when Aramis reached so, out to you? No, or? it was uh, it was an LA thing that happened in LA. So oh, right after okay. I left Shattered Systems, it was an offer that I got. Um, and then another offer right after that. After I left the little 80s retro thing, um, I got offered with another prog guitarist. Um, it didn't fall through because like all that stuff happened with, the, with me getting attacked. And I told him straight up, dude, I was like, dude, I have no friends out here, man. I'm sorry. But I, I gotta go back home, bro. Like I'm really sorry. He's like, dude, it's fine. Like, dude, it was it was it was sad because I I went to his apartment for my birthday because mm-hmm. no one was there for my birthday. I was dude, there by funny. myself, and I was like, I felt I felt like such a uh, how, how do I explain it? Like it's like a little like pity me please kind of person. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah, my my literally that the birthday that it was my 21st birthday. Oh, dude, that's and and I and I spent it on my own. I didn't get to drink. I didn't get to party. I I brought my PS3 to his house and played PS3 in his apartment. Just so sad. I was there for like a couple hours, and I was like, I gotta go. <laughs> I gotta work. <laughs> and then I left, dude. I, I I apologized to him and everything. I felt so bad. He was a really good guitarist too. 
Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, that, that 80s, that dude. And then that's when I was just like, you know what, forget it. I'm going back home. And then that's when I got offered the opportunity with Fire and Glass. Um, so from then, that was Fire and Glass. Okay. So what was... Um... So what was what was everything like in the very beginning with with Fireglass when when you joined and you took over cuz I remember when when I came into the band um a lot of the stuff that I that I was taking over and rewriting lyrically from Hermes was it felt very um I guess simplistic and the way that the dude sang like he he was a terrible lyricist but he was a really good singer to his credit he was a good singer but he 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 had very much so like an 80s power metal voice so was everything kind of based around that at the time and then slowly working store towards the style change that we ended up adopting after i joined or like what was what was it like musically when you came into the picture you know, it's it's complicated because when i first joined um they knew they knew what my background was right so they knew the band that i was in prior um so they were like you know your your mu- your drumming style basically fits with what we want to do um since you know Hermes was just kind of like the no nah, i wouldn't necessarily say the head honcho when it came to creativity when writing and stuff because mm-hmm. we had the guitarists as well yeah and and matt was just matt he's just there he's <laughs> just matt yeah you know it's, it's like that never changed give him give him anything he'll he, you know like hold on i'll go home and practice and i'll come back yeah you know that's basically what he would do but um it was it was weird because all of their music was already written out so i learned their material mm-hmm. i did change up a lot of it to kind of make it my own because he that's what he wanted the the vocalist wanted because he was like that's not my first instrument that's you know vocals are, are what i'm more you know i'm more proficient at mm-hmm. and he's like i just picked up drums just because we didn't have a drummer so i was like okay that makes sense so that's why a lot of the music sounds simplistic because okay. he had to make it simplistic for the sake of him drumming okay and singing so he needed that uh the he needed the simplicity in order for him to approach it life wise because if he was going to sing and play drums at the same time he can't make something complicated for one or the other yeah um so it made sense um but we were actually going to start write, writing things that were Honestly, we were really cool. There was one song that we made uh, called To Live Is To Die. Mm-hmm. Um, and me and him worked on it a lot. Man. Like Me and him, like we collaborated a lot. He still keeps up with me every so often. He always checks up on me. Um, I, I really hate how things kind of you know, left between us. Um, he's a really good vocalist. He is kind of a bad lyricist, but I got to give him the benefit of the doubt, though, too. His English isn't his first language. Yeah, that, that's fair. Um but dude like he's for him being the musician that he is he's a really good musician he's got his own stuff rmz uh ermies uh he's got his own he's got his own project he's got his own solo stuff he performs live on his own oh that's cool um, good for he's him. yeah dude he's he I, and i told him too when he when he said that he was gonna leave fireglass i told him specifically do not stop playing music he's like nope i'm not i'm not gonna do it and i'm, I'm glad that he still continued with uh with his music his music endeavors mm-hmm. um so yeah. his his leaving fireglass was that because of like the change in, in musical direction that they wanted to go in i i don't i it could be now i'm taking a lot of the blame for it um it could be because of the argument that we had one night um 
or it could be also because of maybe he had his own direction he wanted to go in. I'm not entirely sure. We never really communicated in regards to it, but we did make amends. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd love to talk to him about like why he wanted to leave and and a lot of it. But at the time, he did. We did uh, right after a show out in uh, Phoenix. Um, he did, you know, sit and talk to us about him leaving. It sucked. Um, because of everything we've already given, we've already gone through. Yeah, it's the first time. Uh, <laughs> you so you talked to him, or he talked to you guys about wanting to leave. Yeah, yeah. So he, um, we, we all sat. Um, it was to elaborate. Yeah. So like we, we all talked about it after the show. Um, and it was sad, dude. It was, uh, it was the first time. Like it was, someone had to leave on mutual terms. It was nothing. There was nothing ill. And it sucked, dude. We all cried. Like, a, a grown-ass man crying. They say it's worse than a breakup. <laughs> yeah, dude. It was. It sucked. That's fair, dude. No, um, I get it. Yeah, we were all, like, super bummed, man. Like, it sucked because he said that, uh, like, he, he had he wanted to move back closer to his son. Um, he was having complications health-wise. Um, not, on, on top of that, his dog was also having health complications. His, his dogs. Dogs. It was plural there was multiple dogs um they also were having uh health complications as well um so yeah dude it was sad you know we all understood so you know at, at, at the time we were just like dude this sucks you know we're just gonna have to be a three-piece no vocalist we're gonna be instrumental mm-hmm. and then he ended up joining another band out there like we got super bitter right after that um because he joined another band out where he moved out to it was just like oh so you know he, you're, you're sick huh and you move close to your son huh and we never thought that maybe, you know, he was doing that for the sake of him not wanting to lose that spark of music, you know? Yeah, that's fair. I could, But I could see how in that moment, though, it would be kind of upsetting. Yeah, yeah. For, to us, like, we were super bitter about it because we were having to perform in front of two record labels, one of them being Warner Brothers. Mm-hmm. And we had to perform in front of them as a three-piece instrumental. It sucked. So it was it was really embarrassing, especially with it being a record label. And Oh, yeah, dude, definitely. Um... Yeah, we, we tried to tread through as much as we possibly could. Um, after that, uh, us being a, as a three-piece for a while, played a couple shows in front of two record labels. Uh, dude, I, I still cannot, till this day, remember or know, or try to figure out who was the one that posted your Craigslist posting of you looking for a band, you being a vocalist. I still cannot remember or who it was that I found that that was on my Facebook. Oh, that's someone that told you about me? Well, it was it was more of like uh, they just posted it on Facebook saying that um, uh, it, it was a uh, it was just a, a vocalist looking for a band, and I was like, dude, like what? So when I got in contact with you, that's I think that's when I asked you was like what your your uh, your musical tastes are or whatever. Yeah. And what kind of music you listen to and that's when you send me the samples and i was like dude like i, I think we might we might have to settle with the vocalist that uh that we can change the genre for because that was potentially what we were trying to aim for so after we left the vocalist or after the vocal we left after the vocalist <laughs> left after ermy's left um we didn't know what to do since we had the option and the the the, the open doors it, we 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 had other vocalists audition especially johnny rocket uh, man that's a that's a whole story i remember that story <laughs> <laughs> oh man 
So, I mean, if anyone would like some context, I can kind of sum it up. Um, we had a vocalist before Vice here uh, that auditioned that actually come, that came and performed with us out in LA. We had a show out in Los Angeles. Um, he was, his inspiration was ironically close to the vocalist that we had before, uh, which was kind of 80s hair metal. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I was able to connect with him a little bit with a lot of, uh, a lot of the stuff. He had no car. He, I think he was like 50. Yeah, he was an older guy. I'm pretty sure I've encountered him in the, in the music scene before. He was, an, he was an older dude. Um, and he had no car. He was living with a roommate in like a really rinkety dinkety place. Uh, he would smoke in my car without asking, like cigarettes. And I was just like, the hat, I, every time he would light up a cigarette in my car, I had to like lower the windows. I was just like, dude, like you didn't even ask. And it kind of pissed me off. Like a couple times, I wanted to tell him something, but I didn't want to be a dick. Well, that's um, fair though. It's your car. Yeah, I was just like, dude, you're gonna make my car smell like cigarettes. I don't even smoke cigarettes. Yeah. Um. So yeah. So we went to go perform the show. The music that we ended up making with him, like his like his own lyrical stuff, he forgot all of it. <laughs> wow. Yeah, he forgot all of it. But our stuff, he did decent. Mm-hmm. He was uh, okay. He wasn't the best, but he was. Eh. He was stiff on stage. He didn't perform very well. But I think that's what irritated all of us is the fact that his own material. He forgot it all. Yeah, and no, just that's stood on stage. Yeah, that's bad. That's really bad. It was bad. It was really embarrassing. Like I was so pissed. I was so pissed that night. And we, I, we, like, we straight up, like, told him straight up, like, dude, how do you forget your own material? Like, yeah, this is your own stuff that you've written, like, for I don't know how long. And I, I don't know. It was, it was just really bad. Um, yeah, I mean, right after that, so we were still trying to look for other vocalists. We had a couple people come in here, there. Um, that's when I found that Craigslist post on Facebook. And like I said, dude, like I wish I can remember who it was. I really want to thank them for it because I got to meet you, dude. And you're a big part of my life. Yeah, whoever without... it was, man. If anybody listens, if you know, I just, I want to know who it was I'm because seriously. I can't think of who it would have been either. Um, I just, yeah, I'd like to thank him too because, you know, even though Fireglass was bumpy at times, it was probably like the best couple of years of my life, man. Yeah, dude. It and was, it's definitely something that we can, I think we can both appreciate that we did. Yeah, in our no, lives. definitely. Um, but yeah, dude, it was, I thought it was, a, it was a, the fate, the fate of posts. <laughs> it just kind of like dawned upon my feed. Right. And graced me with your presence. That's <laughs> <laughs> so weird. <laughs> what am I doing? Okay. So, fast forwarding ahead a little bit here. Um, so, like we, we, like we just discussed, you were the one who reached out to me um, by the grace of the internet gods. <laughs> and got me the uh you know i sent you those recordings i had done because i had i had a bunch of voice recordings on my phone from other bands that i had auditioned for that i auditioned to be a vocalist for because they wanted to know me singing and me screaming so i had like a day to remember vocals and of mice and men and five finger death punch and like a bunch of different stuff to showcase what my voice could do both singing and screaming and i sent you all those and you were you were um I don't know, just that you were, I don't want to say impressed because I'm not like, 
You know, I'm not like the greatest fucking vocalist in the world, but... Well, I mean, honestly, okay, so my first impressions when I first heard you, I was like, okay, your screams are badass because I can hear what the fuck you're saying. And at the time, honestly, I was... I was still on the fences of harsh vocals, right? Yeah. I, I grew up listening to harsh vocals. So it didn't bother, bother me as much as anyone else. So when I joined Shattered Systems, they, they were just like, oh, harsh vocals, man. And then me, you know, I was just bandwagoning. So I was just like, yeah, harsh vocals, <laughs> question mark. So when uh, I kind of grew out, I was able to listen to more with harsh vocals like Periphery and a bunch of other, other like they, they're proggy, but they still have harsh vocals. They do. Who's that? What's the vote? Uh, Spencer? Spencer. Yeah. yeah. Dude's a so fucking beast of a like, vocal. Like I was saying, like even even Dan Tompkins from Tesseract, like he even in his early days and now he's he's kind of getting back to his harsh vocals roots. So it's like you know I had I had I knew of harsh vocals. It didn't bother me. Like it was I thought it was badass. And when I heard your your vocals, I was like, dude, like fuck, man, he's he's his tart his gutturals are fucking awesome. Holy shit. So and then I told Matt, I was like, dude, his his gutturals are badass. His singing. He's a little bit of work, and that's but fair. we can work with that. The fact that he can do both—that's, I think, that's what. That's why I was like, "Oh, dude, we got." I got high hopes for this vocalist, man. I was like, the fact that he can do both and he can switch back and forth, and and if he's able to do it on the fly, as long as we practice and we kind of like approach in that aspect, dude. I was like, honestly, like I'm a hundred percent on board for this. And he's like, he's like, you know what? Yeah, because he was listening to Beartooth and a bunch of other bands that had harsher vocals as well. Yeah. So he was like, you know what? Yeah, like we can we can definitely work with that. And at the time, like before I reached out to you, we had collaborated with Break, um, the rapper, and he what we were going to make a song with Hermes, the vocalist before you. So it was like a. We didn't know if it was going to be 100% on it because we were just honestly just kind of running out of options. And we were going to be like, you know what? Let's just make it a rap metal. Just just straight up rap and then metal music. I remember I remember that when I came into the fray and everything, the idea of doing the dueling vocalist thing, you know, with the singing and the rapping that we had, that we had done, I remember that that was that wasn't something set in stone. No, it wasn't. So we were we were it was more of like a let's 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 try out to see how this is gonna work collaboration type thing and to see if it works if it doesn't work then we always have vice we always have you yeah so and we're, we're, we're just like you know what let's go ahead and uh let's put in some practices that's when matt got in contact with you i still think it's funny i absolutely think it's hilarious dude like he's just like here's this this and this if you don't like it don't join no oh dude he was like straight up i remember you you texted me and we're just like, hey, man, our bass player is going to get a hold of you. He's like the leader, the founder, whatever. You know, he wants to go over everything that we got going on with you before, you know, we make a decision to have you come out and audition. So I was like, all right, cool. And then like fucking five minutes later, Matt calls me and he's just like grilling the shit out of me, dude. You know, like how long have you been doing vocals? You know, what's your inspiration? Do you do anything else? And, you know, what's life like? Because, you know, we're 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 uh, we're we're a prominent band. We do tours and this and that and stuff. And I was like, dude, that's awesome. That's like everything that I want. You know, mine and Matt's music taste was very similar. So I think he appreciated a lot of the bands that I would list as um, as um, as inspiration or references or whatever. And then he brought up the touring stuff. And I was like, yeah, you know, I want to do, I want to tour. I want to travel and stuff. But I let him know because this was at the time before my daughter was born. I was like, look, dude, I got a kid on the way. 
Like I'll, I'll commit as much as I can, but if you can work with that and give me the time necessary when it comes time, you know, for me to be a father and stuff, then I'm down, I'm sold. He's like, yeah, that's not a problem. So I remember he gave me, uh, I think two songs, two or three songs that you guys had recorded with Hermes. The only one I remember was a song called If You Knew. Yeah, that was like the, I think the, like the, was it? No, 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 no. It was, it was actually one of the recent, recent songs that we had, uh, we had made with Hermes. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I remember doing that because he sent me the song and he sent me the lyrics. And just reading those lyrics, I was just like, what? <laughs> there was no cohesive like notes or there was no cohesive thought in it it was just a bunch of stuff thrown together like again like the dude's a good singer but you know and it makes sense for english not being his first language but it was just it was tough and it was really hard at first because i didn't know what else to do vocally you know like fireglass was only my second band ever just being a vocalist before fireglass i was in i was the front man for a band called elysian Mm -hmm. and i'll probably talk about that at some point too because that was a whole chaotic level of bullshit um but so fireglass was my second band and it was the first van of of the first band the first band (laughs) of being 100 a vocalist because when i was in elysian i switched back and forth between playing bass and vocals and just being a vocalist yeah and do you remember you were you talked about playing shows in front of record labels yeah when i was in elysian we played a show at the rock in front of uh reps from sumerian records Ooh, before they got huge too and yeah that was like early on like this i don't know see my kid was born yeah, sometime before that. I don't want to do math right now. Fuck numbers. <laughs> <laughs> but I was playing bass at the time. We were a three-piece because we had we had a drummer. The drummer quit. Our bassist became the drummer. And then we had the guitarist. And then there was me. We needed a bassist. I happened to do both. So I did bass and vocals for the, uh, for the set. And we talked to the guy from Sumerian. And he was like, You're, you guys were fantastic. You were on point. You're really good. Um, but then he looked at me and was like, the only thing that I would change about you is you should only be a vocalist. And I was like, okay, cool. Like, my singing didn't suck. My screaming vocals were good. I was like, awesome. If a label thinks I'm good, then fuck yeah. Yeah. But, you know, and then that's just a whole, you know, another level of chaos. But that was the closest thing I had ever really come, you know, personally before joining Fireglass to it was just, you know, playing a, uh, a showcase in front of a record label. Yeah. And then getting that level of a compliment, knowing, you know, because the, the, the guitarist for Elysian really hit on my singing. Yeah. But he... But that this label rep, this this industry professional who knows what the fuck he's talking about, said absolutely nothing bad about my singing. You know, the guitarist is just a dildo. <laughs> but in in going into Fireglass and everything and learning these songs and trying to prepare for it, I'm, the other two I remember were easier. I can't remember what they were, and I'm sure I still have the files somewhere deep in my email. But I remember that those two songs were easier for me to learn because Ermi's voice was lower. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. then going into If You Knew, especially in the chorus, it was so high and it was really hard for me to do it. And honestly, yeah, exactly. It's like high, dude. <laughs> and I didn't think that I could do it. And I almost didn't go to the audition because I felt I felt like I was gonna bomb it because you know, I couldn't do that part. You know what's funny uh, in, in, in that aspect, when, when you left, uh, Matt was like, oh, dude, his vocals are not that good. I was like, dude, honestly, we gave him songs that are just straight up clean vocals. It's like, why don't why don't we work with him? Because he's got another aspect of vocal technique. Why don't we work with him, try to figure out a song, tell him, like, I, I think it's what we did. We gave you a song that we were going to make or we started to make, which ended up being what's done is done. I think so, yeah. 
and and it ended up being your baby dude like that was like that was what you put majority of all your technique in like oh yeah and with it being more more in my range and everything yeah, like it was yeah. much easier for me to sing it i had the lyrics to myself like yeah i still that song still holds a special place in my heart it, it holds a big place in my heart and too. i want to talk about that song in the podcast at some point and i might have um, you come back and talk about it too but yeah i yeah, think that was the song that started it that me. was that was definitely the song and what's funny too is that when we first approached the song it was it started with you and then I don't know if Matt was the one that mentioned it. He's like, maybe we should bring break in. And I was like, I don't know if it's gonna work, man. And cause you got two different vocalists, you know, I've got one person already working and putting all the work into it. Like, I don't know if it's gonna work. I remember, I think it was Matt. I remember, cause he, he was really set on it. Cause he, I remember that like, he knew break because break like tempt at cat with him yeah and he was handing out demo cds and shit and for some reason matt was like you sound cool let's bring you into my band yeah. and but you me and cj were really on the fence about it yeah like, like we, we were like at, that's when we used that that first show we performed at the rock i remember as that an show. audition type thing if people were gonna like the collaboration of rap metal that we were the the, the direction that we were gonna go in yeah then that was potentially what we were gonna get head in yeah but we we aside from matt i think we didn't have very high hopes for it but because we we'd split the set up we had he had two songs didn't he he had determined and then that one other one it was determined and i think oh what the fuck was the other one afraid of the dark yes that's what it was it was determined and afraid of the dark that were primarily his songs that i only had small parts in and then he just was not on stage for the rest we had Mm -hmm. what's done is done and then two of um two of the older songs dude okay it's funny before we actually had you come in and actually like perform uh i wish i can go back i still have the cd the cd of that live performance that we we're performing with pyro where break does his rapping and his and the singing oh my god i remember you talking about that i don't think i've ever shown no, you still dude. i oh wanted to god. see it that was like the biggest like run one of the biggest running jokes in I the still, band i still have it him dude. trying i still oh have god. it i showed becca did you she she died. She was laughing so hard. Oh my and, god! You know, I know Break is probably just like, dude, shut the fuck up, dude. That was like, his his attitude like the entire time. And it's it. like, dude, oh, that was the things we told him. You don't have to, but he brought it upon himself. He got up on stage and mustered up that courage and sang those parts. I was like, okay, yeah, he does if not. If you want to do it, that's up to you. He does not have the voice to sing. Oh, dude, it was it was it was funny. It was really funny. Oh, um but yeah dude like that was before he came in when we did that show it was more of like an audition type of thing like is this gonna work is this not gonna work and as soon as we got off stage man like everyone kind of everyone praised us like they gave us yeah gave every, us some, some good compliments everybody liked they liked the direction that the music was in that the music was going they liked the dueling vocal thing and they were down with like the whole rap mm-hmm, the mm-hmm. rap metal thing that we were trying to do mm-hmm. and i remember that after that point when we got a lot of really positive feedback on it we were just like all right cool this is the direction we're gonna go in um that's i remember we were on this uh the, that big spiral of shows because at the same time we were trying to make new material as yeah. we were booked m- with shows yeah there were i think you guys had shows pre-booked that we still oh. played 
and then we were adding more to it I while still trying to write at the same time. I was unaware of that. I thought there were just shows and Matt was booking uh, as I, we I think, were trying to hey, there were definitely There were definitely shows that Matt was booking while we um, while we were we were fitting into this new iteration of Fire yeah. and Glass and trying to write and everything, but there was I'm pretty sure that there was still stuff I feel, that was already honestly, done. I feel, like thinking back to that now, the I feel like the best approach we should have done, if we can go back in time, is write the material, make the material, and then perform the shows instead oh. of doing it at the same time. Oh yeah, no, for sure, man. Dude, there's so many videos still on YouTube from, uh, God, I can't remember his name. There's a guy that would always show up every time, every time we perform at, uh, it wasn't even club, it was club access instead of it being uh, club encore. Mm-hmm. It was club access at the time. We we're constantly performing there. We we're performing at The Rock, uh, all these different venues that we were performing at. Our set lists were bad, dude. Like, we needed oh, so yeah. much more polishing. But we looked like we had a lot of fun on stage. Like, we we were we were definitely getting down on stage. Like, we had a lot of fun performing. We had a, we knew what we were trying to do. We knew what direction we were getting at. But we were still trying to tweak everything. Oh, yeah. We were, we were so hard trying to figure everything out from the musical aspect. But we were just... We were enjoying the fact that we had so many shows back yeah. to back. We were yeah. constantly performing, even though our set list was crap. Because yeah. we had... We had the we had the two songs with break and then the three songs with me and then we didn't know how to fit break into everything yeah. and like we had to get rid of those two older songs and then we had to add in um, we had to fit break into what's done is done and then you know build from there and then we ended up writing um, uh, uh, um, red rum and uh, what the fuck was the other one it's the one where we always fucking headbang in. Uh, because dead CJ's weight? dead weight there you dead go weight? because CJ's riff is like it's so simple but it was brutal as fuck yeah um, which brings me to some uh, to and one of the things I wanted to get your take on too the first time that we had attempted to record and we were recording in Phoenix with that dude Tommy, Tommy. and we did the two songs we did what's done is done and then determined. and determined do you what is your memory so uh my i remember like what i remember was i was excited right it was it was gonna be our first like legit in in some aspect legit in our own sense it was gonna be a legit recording yeah i mean it was the closest thing to a studio we were probably yeah yeah so yeah so um it's funny because like we had recorded in there previously yeah that's how that's how you guys knew them yeah so uh we had we had recorded in there previously two two songs and we also did a music video in there before oh really yeah you remember uh what dead weight used to be it was um i remember that it was something else it was one of the songs that we had changed oh man it was something else and i can't remember it was one of the songs that we changed. Oh, Relinquish Nest. Yes. Okay, I, re- yes, I remember that. It was called Relinquish Nest before, and we recorded a music video for it. That was so brutal to record the music, the music video. Yeah. Because you had to report, I think we performed the song like 15 times, back to back, just so they can get all the shots. I mean, we did something similar when we were doing the video for What's Done Is Done. But that was, that was a little bit different, though. Like, we had a little story behind it, right? It was just, it was... Okay. The, the footage was a little bit different because we had options when we approached the song. Like, we didn't yeah. have to start the song all over again. We just, we could start the song at a specific spot because we knew where to start. Yeah. So, but because Relinquish Nest was so new to us, 
we literally performed the song like 15 times dude God, and i was so and what sucked too is that like at the time i was like dude why don't we wear nice clothes i was wearing a button-up and a vest the We're same all thing that you nice... always wore on stage yeah it was a nice <laughs> the nice clothes so performing the song 15 times mind you the song was fast so when we were performing the song i was just like dude and oh another thing to elaborate on too is that when dead when it when linguist nest ended up becoming dead weight mm-hmm. it slowed down we actually slowed the tempo down i remember that yeah and because wasn't it like was faster it was like 200 something bpm and then we dropped it down to 180 yes yes dude so performing a song 15 times in a row at that fast, i was drenched oh, dude i was tired like and they were like just three more times i was like why i'm done don't you have all the footage <laughs> don't you see that my hair is a different figure than when i started <laughs> do you see my clothes are a different black than when we started <laughs> oh my god dude it, that that was brutal that was really brutal at that time i remember that that performing a music video and what's funny is that ermy's actually uh i think he i think he still has it up i'm not entirely sure if he still has it up on his his youtube channel oh yeah um, and Matt got upset. I remember because he laughed and all that other stuff, and we were trying to move forward with the with a new yeah. fire glass. We I remember with, that and... being an issue because he had the music to something else, or you know, to what it used to be, mm-hmm. and then we repurposed that music for a new song, mm-hmm. and we were putting out the EP and mm-hmm. stuff. And I remember that being an issue for Matt, and I think that was what made him eventually reach out to Hermes. And um, then uh, I, don't, I don't think he took it. He took it. He took it down as Fireglass, but he he. I think he re put it up under his yeah his youtube channel um but anyways uh yeah so so we we've performed in that studio before so when we got in there my okay so what i remember is that i was excited right i felt really excited because it's a new take on fireglass some new music um i love being in the studio because there's always some that magic that happens in the studio people always we always come up with something like on the fly and and it ends up making the song more. Um, and I was really excited. We got the drums down. Uh, I remember I absolutely butchered the songs um, <laughs> because I felt extremely nervous. I don't know why. I mean, I had experience. I, I think, I mean, studio. I don't know. Like, I felt super nervous too, but I, I felt it coming in, not just to coming into like what was essentially my first time in like something of an actual studio beyond like, you know, recording in people's houses that just had mics and soundproofing on the yeah. walls. It was just it was who Tommy was. Yeah, yeah. Because he does he does have um he did. He doesn't have a reputation anymore, yeah. or at least not a good one. Yeah. But he did have a reputation with whatever he was in before, and then he did his solo stuff, which was actually really good. I watched one I of his music videos. Tommy Gibbons, that's what the Tommy fuck his Gibbons, last name yeah. was. Um and um you know, and I felt nervous because of, Matt like hyped him up to be like this dude who was like, if we impressed him, he's a ticket to bigger things for us because he was apparently well connected. Yeah. And I was just I was fucking nervous as all hell. Yeah, dude. So like I said, I when I, I went in to track my drums, I felt nervous. Like um I didn't really write. I didn't plan a lot of my writing. Usually I do, right? Mm-hmm. Like I'm I solidify what I write out. So when we performed those songs and we actually, you know, did them in the studio, I didn't know exactly what I was going to do, like note for note, like fills here, there, or like transitions. And uh, it just, I was so nervous, man. And uh, uh, when, it, when it picked up a lot of my playing, um, he had a program that like just ended up adding more than what I was actually playing. I was like, dude, I didn't play that. Like, what, what is that? Yeah. 
and uh when when i initially heard it it was the raw tracks i was like dude this sounds actually pretty decent like i wish i could have done this a little bit different this a little bit different he's like go back go back in and and, and redo this again and, you know hit your snare a little bit harder or hit the cymbals a little bit harder or you hit your kicks a little bit harder so that's what i i approached it that way as well so my i think uh i was it was just two factors of me like tracking my drums uh being nervous and focusing on like how hard i was hitting things that kind of set me off like it confused me and it kind of it threw me it threw me off track of just trying to retract just two songs it was literally just two songs yeah and it threw me off um but when we finally were able to you know, we were tracking everyone else you know it, it started uh, to clear up a little bit um and then when break went on the booth he he does this one take thing and i was like dude like this guy is insane and at the time, like, I didn't care about the lyrics that he was writing. I didn't care about his flow. I didn't care about the his vocabulary, his, his uh, you know, punctuation, his cadence. I didn't care any about that because I was just like, dude, this guy raps fast. And that's it. Like, yeah. he just raps fast. And I was like, that's impressive. I mean, he was he was pretty solid on the fly. Like, he did, um, he did determined. And then... Um, and then after we it came time to do what's done is done because he wasn't officially added to that song he didn't have parts for it yeah so leading up to when we were in the studio whenever we performed it live he he would leave he would walk off stage and he he wrote his parts i mean granted it's not a lot he would add on it later on as we would go through because i think we ended up recording that song three times yeah it was three times um and he added to it later on but the initial thing like he just had the parts in between me on the verses but you know that song that song was mine yeah and he came up with some pretty solid stuff on the fly and he did manage to nail shit down really well yeah but i i feel like too with some of the other people that we worked with and talked to and stuff i feel like people gave him more of a pass because he wasn't technically it's i think my, my perspective right mm. because he's a rapper yeah they don't work with lyricists or rappers. Yeah. So, yeah, of course they're going to be like, oh, yeah, you're really good. But never did they did it occur to them that uh, cadence is a thing. I don't, you know, the, the, the gaps in between the lyrics. Yeah. Uh, the flow of a song. Uh, vocabulary, you know, uh, word choice. Uh, the message you're trying to portray and what you're actually saying. Yeah. Uh, the delivery, you know. Yeah, uh, you just do all in one take. Like that's nobody does that anymore. Yeah, unless you're in the '80s and Pretty you have much. one tape and you got to do it all in one take. <laughs> you, you have to be a good singer yeah. and shit. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I think that that's you know they were they were easier on him than they were on me. Yeah, because they understood how to work with someone like me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Definitely. Yeah, and then now I feel like um that was was that the first time that I attract any vocals with you with Tommy or was it with uh, Alex? I think it was with Alex was the first okay. time that you okay. did because we didn't actually discuss like backup vocals and stuff until I think much later on. Yeah, when, yeah. So that was you, that was with all the the handful of shows that we performed. You started that's doing we, it. You started doing it live. Yeah, and then we brought it on to yeah. recordings after yeah. the fact. Um, but yeah, uh, first time we recorded those two songs, it was just kind of like a inner feet in the water, and then Tommy did his solo on um, Determined. Remember that. He did. And yeah. we're just determined? like, bro, I don't know if it was determined. I'm pretty sure it was on What's Done is Done. Because I don't think that version ever fully saw the light of day. No, actually, I. you know what? I think we're confusing What's Done is Done with Deadweight. 
Because Deadway was already done before What's Done is Done. Yeah, I know What's Done is Done was the one we recorded. But either way, so Tommy think... did do a guitar solo on one of the songs. It was really fucking good. It was de- It was definitely Deadway. It was Deadway because uh, CJ has the solo on Deadway. He does, yeah. And uh, I-, I remember that too because we were just like, just stick with it because it sounds like a Dragon Ball Z solo. Yeah. <laughs> I, re- I remember... Uh, so in the recording of that, I remember a couple of things. One... You know, not to like dog on him, but I remember Matt having a hard time playing the initial bass line because the initial bass line for the song was following CJ's parts and it's yeah. just pull offs. Right? Yeah. And it's not hard. At least it, it wasn't for, um, I guess it, it wasn't, you know, for me for being playing bass guitar as long as I have, but I also play with the pick. Yeah. He played with his fingers, so yeah. it was a lot different. And then we wrote, uh, Tommy helped us rewrite his bass line while we were there. Yeah, yeah and then I remember that. While we were tracking CJ and tracking me and you and Break and whatnot, um, he, uh, Matt was practicing that bass line. Yeah, we also, uh, his, uh, his infamous uh, two, two to three beers before uh, tracking. Yeah, that was, that that was, was science. His, that was his way. That was that was the way. That this is the way. You know, that was that was his this thing. That was his thing. Yeah. Is to have two to three beers before he tracked his bass lines. Because if he didn't, then he'd be sloppy. And it fucking worked every it single did. time, man. It's so weird. <laughs> it's so weird, dude. And it is so beyond me how like you would think that you would be more sloppy to have alcohol in your system. But nope, it was the complete opposite for him, man. He was like straight on edge. He was like every part that he would do just on point and I'm, I'm like dude Matt how do you do that and he's like I don't know <laughs> I don't know just, it's science and it's magic dude but I also remember too because again I, I don't recall if that version that we recorded ever fully saw the light of day like I know we had it as a reference point for Alex who we recorded with him later but I remember um, when I tracked the chorus for the song we were good but then Tommy was trying to get me to do some stupid high harmonies yeah I remember that actually uh, I have those La- those Tommy recordings. Do you? Yeah, I still have those. I, I dude, it's funny. I, I, I'll check back in my emails and like all the starred attachments emails that I have from yeah. my old my Yahoo, and yeah, I still have all. I dude, I even have the old Fireglass stuff with Hermes. Like it's That's crazy. crazy, man. But yeah, no, I have I have those uh, those roughs that we did with Tommy, and like I said, dude, like. His, the, I don't know what the program that he was using do, but it was adding more kicks than I was actually playing. Yeah, I remember and then, that. And then it with was my like drum, my drum solo that I did too. Like, like I said, I didn't, I didn't plan for it, so I was just kind of doing it on the fly, which I'm really kicking myself for. But thankfully, I made up for it later. I made it simple. I didn't make it too complicated. You, you did. You went pretty hard with it in the beginning. Yeah. yeah. On. Uh... The drum solo for Determine. Yeah. Because there was that break in between, yeah. Yeah, so when I initially did it, I was, like, so all over the place. Like, I didn't plan for it. I didn't write anything for it. It was just kind of improvised, and it was all over the place. So the, the the program that he was using would pick up, like, other hits for some weird reason. So it sounded like I had, like, eight limbs playing all these different drums. It was so weird. Some kind of octopus, like the Rev. And, and then and then we told him about it, and he was like, I don't, know what you're, I don't know what you're talking about. I don't know what you're hearing. I was like, uh, dude, like, we all hear it. Like, what are you talking about? And and then even your vocals, like there was, it was just too much auto tune on your vocals. Yeah. And he was like, I don't know what you're talking about. I don't hear it. And I was like, Yeah, because you listen to it constantly. Like we're telling you that there's too much auto tune on Vice's vocals, and there's too many hits that I never even hit. It sounds like I'm like I got like four kick pedals, like. <laughs> <laughs> 
I'm having a seizure behind the kid or something. Like, <laughs> it was, yeah, dude, like, that happened. And I'm not even sure how Matt was able to get in contact with Alex. Do you remember that? I, honestly, I don't. But Matt, like, Matt knows people. Like, I'm sure somebody just put him in contact. Or it might have been Pyro, because I think um, they, they used to record with Alex, yeah, too. Yeah, that's true. That is very true. I feel like he got that information from Pyro. So I think I think that it was from them. And we, after playing, like, so many more shows, I think we, we decided, like, collectively, didn't we, that we were not happy with the way that the recordings were done yeah, with no, Tommy. We, we didn't And we wanted to do more. That was when we decided we were actually going to put out some kind of uh, of an EP. We didn't want just like a little two-song demo. Yeah. And we ended up recording with Alex uh, later on. Mm-hmm. That's when uh, the, the approach in the studio was so completely different. Yeah. It was laid back. I felt comfortable. Uh, he, he approached my drums differently as well. It wasn't just mic'd and tracked all in one take. It was... Uh, he did samples of each of my hits depending on the velocity that I was hitting the actual drums So he I think it was like four or five different like volumes. He wanted me to do I remember and that and it's funny cuz like um, He's like I know I know you went to, that was the first thing he, 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 he told me when I went into the studio to go and track my stuff He's like I know you went to school for music and all that um, Is it gonna confuse you when I ask you if you can do volume one volume two? I was like no like that's the first time I've ever had anyone ask me some to do something like that, and I was like, I, I was, I was like, hundred percent on board. I was like, dude, that that's awesome. Like, cause if you need to like grab one of those samples of me hitting something, all I gotta do is just grab it off of that file, off of that little library of whatever you know stuff of uh, my library of my kit, and just put it in place. Like if I miss something, just put it in place, and it works. Like he just kind of cop cut and paste and he's got really good editing skills and he dude I, I alex best is awesome i love that guy he was fun to work with i really enjoyed recording with him it was definitely super laid back um i feel like at times uh it was a little too laid back because we would spend a lot of time because you know he, he smoked a lot of weed too like like break and cj did yeah so there were times where like we couldn't really we, we didn't get finished with parts of the songs as quickly as we as we wanted to but when we were doing things um we were pretty he was pretty on the ball about it like he was really good about what we wanted you know if we were looking for like a reference for something specific mm-hmm. we could tell him mm-hmm. and he would have it mm-hmm. you know right off the bat recording mm-hmm. vocals with him was a lot less stressful than it yeah, was dude. with tommy yeah yeah no yeah definitely that's uh i don't i don't know what i don't know what made me want to do backing vocals do you because i know we were performing when stun is done for a while and i wanted to make backing vocals with you um but i i cannot remember for the life of me what what kind of sparked that enthusiasm to kind of help with harmonies and stuff i don't either i i, I want to say that it was just feeling like these parts of the song were empty and then you realizing that you could match vocals with me relatively easily. Yeah, and on top of that too, because you were uh, flopping from clean to, uh, to to gutturals. Yeah. You you needed that that release that re- that that time to relax. Yeah. So it's not so much stress on your on your on your vocals, especially when we're performing live and if we were going to go on tour. 
so I think that's when we all made that collective decision. Like, yeah, if, if you know, if he can, you can sing and play at the same time. And I was like, all right, I'll, I'll try it. You got your Britney Spears headset and shit. A Britney Spears headset, you know, <laughs> hit me one more time. That was always my sound check. Yeah. Hit me, baby, one more time. <laughs> I remember that was that was the sound check thing that I would do. It was funny. Such a bad way to get levels if you're you're doing sound check as, or a, as a tiny. Asian it was woman. that, or it was like. Whoa! Yeah, you were doing like the roller coaster thing with your voice. Oh, dude, that was funny. And then I was just like singing bits and pieces of the song, and then like, let's check the screaming, and I'm just yelling angrily at it. <laughs> oh, man. Fun, dude. Yeah, dude, so when we went in with Alex, it was really laid back. That was, I think, when we recorded What's Done Is Done then. That was I the best take that we could have done with what done what's done is done. If we had to if we had to record it again another three more times, oh, we would have never I don't think we would have ever achieved that that take with Alex. Yeah. No, because... I, I agree. I, there was something about the environment with him that I feel like it really helped it really helped capture it really well. And I think too with with working with somebody like Alex, he was really open to us uh, experimenting and stuff. Mm -hmm. So when you came to the table with, you know, wanting to do backup vocals and stuff, like we got it added in really quick. It was really easy. And, you know, it started off as really minor stuff, you know, when it would just go in the, cause it, cause the full version of what's done is done has that really long intro mm -hmm. of just CJ, just clean picking that part over and over and over again. Mm -hmm. And then you're doing like light cymbal work and then there's the, oh, thing behind mm -hmm. it and i don't think that was added right away at first too, no it wasn't it wasn't that was something that was brand new actually uh because when i when we when we initially performed the song it was i remember like i said like those those youtube videos um i remember hearing back in my vocals i was so monotone because mm -hmm. i didn't know how to approach the song and i didn't i didn't i didn't i couldn't hear the relative that that put my relative pitch in with the song so I was out of key. I was really out of key, and I never, I never realized because, like, at, for, you know, I can hear myself sometimes, but I couldn't hear myself from a, a fan's or an audience perspective. Yeah, and it's it pretty bad, oh, yeah. honestly. No, and and I tried I to be like, oh no, I, I got, it. I got it. No, I got it. And thinking back, I'm like, dude, you sound like shit. Like, what are you doing? <laughs> and then when we finally got used to performing it after doing it in the studio, it got so much easier. Um, because I knew exactly, I could visualize a note before even hitting it because we played that stupid song so many times. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, dude, it was, it was, uh, it's funny how, like how many stuff was added to the song that kind of gave it, even the, even the last part, uh, what the hell was I singing at the end? Uh, oh, that's right. Cause during the, the final chorus where you go you go into the full-on double bass and you say no turning back and what's done is done. Oh, yeah, yeah. So it's no turn yeah. down. Because it's like, it kind of goes down. It was like, no turning yeah, back. Yeah, something like that, yeah. Something like that, yeah. You, you're doing that like in the background on top of, of me just singing the chorus over again. Yeah. Like we, we built up stuff for that song so much. Like initially it was just, I think it was the backup vocals and the chorus. And then, um, and then there was the, the intro part. And then after, like at the very end of everything of the life cycle of the song was when you added like the full on, cause we started adding backing tracks 
too and mm-hmm. you added some backing like some backing arrangements to it too for live so it really sounded fuller i feel like i feel like the one one of the things that i'm really like uh, proud of that i did because i didn't expect my i didn't expect to actually be able to to, to pull it off i remember in the studio um we needed something vocal wise that was going to be not so harsh like your your gutturals but enough to where you can still hear the tonality and the hor- the harshness so when i approached the very last no oh yeah i remember that yeah it was like it was uh like harsh vocals but it wasn't as like brutal as yours it was very like three days grace yeah 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 that's that 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 was like the first thing that popped into my head too i was like you know what i'm gonna approach this like a three days grace song like really guttery like kind of not so much as like but like more of just like yeah like yeah like metallica you know (laughs) so like i was like you know i'm gonna approach it that way and it worked it worked in its favor i was honestly really proud of myself i was like damn i actually got it down and i think at the time too i was drinking i was drinking like a coconut water mountain dew energy drink thing so it coated my throat nice and good yeah (laughs) so so i was just like oh yeah i got the i got the lubricant for my throat i'm good to go Just ready to just get in there. Ready to just get it on. <laughs> so yeah, dude, it was. Uh, I, I was honestly impressed on how I was able to do that. Like, I think that's what kind of gave me that. Like, you know, if I was able to do this in the studio, like, I, I think I could be a, a decent vocalist. If as long as I keep practicing, I might be okay. Mm-hmm. So from then, like, I just kind of keep practicing and kept practicing and kept practicing. And I'm still, I still like, I feel like it's such an idiot for never asking you can you please teach me how to do guttural vocals because <laughs> i'm horrible at it fries i'm actually learning pretty well i can't do fries first. fries i'm actually doing pretty decent but when it comes to gutturals i sound like a dumbass like <laughs> i sound like a dog being butt raped <laughs> er, 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 like <laughs> And I know, I know that I'm doing it wrong because my vocals feel tense afterwards. And I'm like, I'm not doing it correctly. So I need to, I need to approach it differently. And I've been listening to a bunch of different vocalists, trying to reenact what they're doing, hear what I'm, you know, try to do what I'm hearing. And that's just, I don't know. I don't know what it is. Like, I just have to find that sweet spot. Yeah. I'd have to figure out the proper way to tell you because to be straight up, I don't know what the fuck I'm doing. <laughs> When I, learned, <laughs> when I learned, what are you doing? I have no fucking clue. I'm just making the angry noises come out. When, when you know I, when you stub your toe, yeah, you know that feeling of like I hate everything. Yeah, just use that in your vocals. Just, <laughs> just hate everything. <laughs> just stub your toe before you scream. That's right. Because <laughs> when I started doing, uh, when I started doing the screaming vocals, my voice was actually a lot higher because I started doing. Um, Remember Old School Bullet for My Valentine? Yeah. Um, so on the first record, The Poison, there's a song called Room 409. And in the, uh, in the pre-chorus for the song, it's very quiet, but the bass player does backup vo- He does the screaming vocals. And it's really high-pitched. And I wanted to do that. Hmm. I didn't want to be, like, a core vocalist, like the way that, like, Matt Tuck, the vocalist for Bullet, does. Mm-hmm. I just wanted to do occasional backup vocals, because at that time, I was still heavily a bassist. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And so I started doing that. And then as I started learning how to do it, like, from from utilizing my throat, which, you know, sucked because you, it hurts, you taste blood, and all that shit at the beginning. And then learning how to properly use your diaphragm and stuff. And then getting to a point 
where I would I would just practice it constantly and then I started to listen when I got comfortable doing that I decided to listen and think that like oh well I can do this I can you know let's try learning let's try expanding on that a little bit and I started listening to bands that do a lot uh, heavier a lot more guttural sounding um, vocals stuff like As I Lay Dying or Lamb of God mm. and I started you know just doing that like I would hear the noises like it's one thing that's like good and bad like I don't have I'm, I'm terrible with pitch yeah but but I am too don't trust me dude I'm not that good at pitch but with with hearing um, stuff with hearing um, like just listening to a song I can make my voice I can make you know something similar to that so I'm, I'm able to mold my voice to fit whatever it is I was listening to so really interesting I just I just I just did it like if I listened to Lamb of God like Ashes of the Wake you know laid to rest I just I heard um, Randy Blythe doing that and I was like I want to do that and then I just I don't know I just I dropped my voice down lower it, it was a little bit hit or miss because I was used to the really high parts but I would drop it down lower until I figured it out and then I would just do it. And it took me years to even learn proper diaphragm control and breath management. I was just yelling. Like I was just doing the vocals and I built my stamina up enough to a point where I could do entire, you know, Lamb of God songs. I could scream the entirety of Laid to Rest and almost like the entirety of like whenever he does the really long parts, but I could never get really high. Like he could, the banshee wailing kind of thing. Yeah, yeah I couldn't do that. But I guess that's just what I did. Like I heard something and I wanted to do that myself, and I just did it. It's funny is that like I'm I'm backwards, dude. Like I I'm I'm understanding fries and even the banshee thing too. It's just like it's it's, it's like yeah 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 yeah. Yeah, I can't I can't do that, man. It's 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 weird because like it's you're you're it's not necessarily you're tensing up your vocal cords. It's just you're trying to like close them to the point. And it's this whole science, or seance with it, science? It's this whole seance. It's just a science. <laughs> it's uh, the whole seance with it. You have to, you have to bless a box of throat coat tea and a jug of milk. <laughs> you put some you candles. Pray, and, yeah, candles, you know, and you praise Freddie Mercury. You know, yeah. you tuck your wiener between your legs. Yeah, that's and right. You, you dance. gotta tuck it, and then you do the little <laughs> catwalk strut. And, oh, yeah, God, that's this whole thing about the oh, seance God. of a vocalist. <laughs> Look at yourself in the mirror and ask, "Would you fuck me?" <laughs> <laughs> While you're putting lipstick on, slowly. oh God! But your voice has to be real deep with it. Would you fuck me? Would you fuck? Fuck me, I fuck. <laughs> <laughs> oh god. Oh dude, it's you no know, like I said, man, and you know what's funny is that I even got um I even got a uh Zena screaming. Yep, I have that too right there. And I haven't touched it. I haven't either. Jesse gave it to me after I joined Beneath. I, and I've looked at it a bit, but I haven't actually really ingested it again. I bought it for Becca for her birthday. Mm-hmm. And she's like, No, it's yours. I'm like, no, it's not. If it's anyone that's going to be doing, like, screaming, it would it's be, you. Yeah, it'd be more for her. But Because she had her vocals down. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, it's just relative pitching. She would be off a little, like, here or there. But, dude, she she was able to differentiate songs without hearing them way better than what I could ever do. Mm-hmm. Like, say, what's done is done, right? Mm-hmm. Like, she would sing it right off the bat in the pitch of the song with ever, without even, like, listening to a note. I, I mean, I can't. I can hear the da 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 da. That's what I can hear. It's the first thing I hear. Oh yeah. But when it's like a song that she listens to here or there, or like like just a, a random song that you would listen to on on the on the daily, like she just like out of the fly, like just really easily 
And it's just like, dude, that that's impressive. And I keep I kept telling her, I'm like, that's impressive. Like, I can't do that. Yeah, I couldn't do like, that either. It's not it's not even it's not even necessarily like perfect pitch because there are people that have perfect pitch. I wish I had perfect pitch. Um, but she had more of a relative pitch uh, internalized than I could ever possibly get to. And I know it takes a lot of training, a lot of practice to get to, but oh, it's just yeah. like, dude, that takes years. And the fact that she was able to do that on the fly and she doesn't have any like musical training, I was just like, dude, that's that's a, that's just that's a yeah. gift. Yeah, that's insane, man. I could uh, yeah, that. dude, the Zen is screaming. I have it. It's sitting, collecting dust. I, I haven't even. Yeah, I saw like a couple minutes of the beginning of like the breathing exercises. The breathing exercises are good. They did help out when I did do it a lot. I would do a lot of them right before going to bed. Yeah, and it I mean, definitely, it definitely did help. Like, I think one of them was like the laying down one. Yes. And there's one the laying straw. down and then there's a straw or a pencil and then you like, you push your side and stuff. Like, yeah, there's a lot to it, man. Yeah, dude. And that was, you know, I really, 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 really should watch that TVT, but yes, I haven't. I, I need to too, man. Um, but it, it's been, as of recently, it's just been this whole thing of like... I don't know. Like, I'm just kind of, with my job, I'm just driving around. I'm just singing. Yeah. And then when, like, fries come on, I'll, I'll try to do it. And then uh, I'll, I'll do it for a little while. And then I'll tire myself out. And I'll get to hear my voice being hoarse afterwards. And it's just because I'm, I'm singing for, like, basically my whole shift. So it was, like, yeah. six, seven hours, eight hours. See, I'll do it. Um, when I drive to work because it's like a half hour drive to get to my job from here mm -hmm. um, and I will listen to to something and I'll do the screaming with it but I you know I, I have a tendency to overpower or over project with my voice yeah. and I do it on purpose sometimes yeah, too yeah, depending yeah. on what I listen to so if I listen to something like that fits my range really well um, upon a burning body UABB you know fucking love them um, they're a really good one like there's that song uh, You Don't Own Me or BMF or something like I can scream yeah. you know stuff like that and then I'm learning to do more of just like aggression with it not so much screaming but just general aggression with my voice to kind of to not so much copy um, uh, their singer their vocalist Danny um, but to kind of make it more my own make it comfortable for yourself yeah so yeah. I'm, I'm learning and trying to experiment with my voice and stuff a lot more but that's as far as like learning what you know you want to do as far as becoming a screaming vocalist to start off dude that's the best thing that i would recommend to do is just listen to a song that has a vocalist that you want to sound like and just do it i'm gonna i'm gonna listen to uh, alex terrible from uh, slaughter oh my god i wish i had his vocal range <laughs> that, that dude's not human man no he's he is a, fucking straight up not. demon lord he is insane oh my god dude his i don't know how he does it man like maybe because how built he is like he's just huge oh yeah he's like I, he's, I just, a, he's, wanna, he's the human embodiment of a russian tank he's, no he, he's legit the russian bear yeah like 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 he can just go toe to toe like that i don't know if you've seen yeah. the music of baba, baba yaga. yaga yeah he just goes toe to toe with a bear dude like, did you <laughs> did you watch the the behind the scenes of it no. So there's a there's a there's a little compilation of behind the scenes facts and stuff from the Baba Yaga video shoot, and they talk about that part specifically when he's wrestling the bear because it's the most Russian thing fucking ever. <laughs> oh god. He's wrestling, and the way that he grunts, the way that he makes the noises with his vocals and stuff, people couldn't tell if it was him or the bear. Oh, dude, I believe it. Oh my god. Like yeah, that dude is insane. He's a monster. Did you listen to the new song? Uh, 1984. Yeah. Yes. It goes hard. Oh, it's so good, dude. It's I've been waiting good. for it for oh, a yeah. while, He's been dude. Teasing when it teased it, and, it. Oh. and then uh, when did you hear the the um, the BFG the, the Doom cover? Yeah, yeah. 
Oh, like, dude, dude, it's so good. That guy is a beast, man. Like, yeah. I, I don't, I don't think, of, I don't think anyone in the in the metal scene can reenact something as as brutal as his vocals are. Oh, man. No. He's so diverse in his screams too. I and he sings too. Yeah, he does. And that was it was first like I guess showcased in um, in Baba Yaga because before that there was like Demolisher where it's just the screaming mm-hmm. vocals, and then there was like a brief part in the chorus for Baba Yaga and now that he did like the record um I don't know how to pronounce it I know that it starts with a K um I wouldn't but I'm not even gonna try (laughs) but that record whole fucking fantastic record love it but he does a lot of singing in there yeah um there's I think it's called Only I or Only One only something on that record it's like my favorite song on there and the chorus is all singing with screaming backing vocals and then he did 1984 and uh, I'll see I'll have to show you when we're done recording um and then he did 1984 where that's all that but that's all very like it's a much higher like range like he's he's really diversifying himself with it but he's still just a goddamn beast Dude, he's a beast man like it's like i said it's anyone who wanted to learn vocals from and that's him him oh, right dude, there i would you need he's like you you what you got to do is you got to open your rib cage and then you just bring your heart out and legit cut yourself open and you open you physically your rib, the you rib cage fi- you physically crack rib rib cage and uh you you render yourself of uh all existence and <laughs> And, and uh, you give yourself- sacrifice yourself to the to the to the the devil himself. You have the blood of bear. Yeah, and then and then you go to Russia, the mother Russia, and then you have blood of bear. And then you, you be just like me. And then you be just like me. <laughs> <laughs> Shit, dude. Oh my god, dude. dude. Oh, that reminds me of. Uh... And, and you you notice that he's actually got a scarification now. Yeah, right? I like, saw that. I wondered if that was an injury or on purpose. No, but after seeing on, it heal, like, that's yeah. uh, that's a legit thing now. A scarification. I've heard I've, of that. I've always wanted to do it because I got high pain tolerance, mm-hmm. but I wouldn't know where. Like the just one, having a badass scar like that, like that's the so one crazy. thing that I would want to do if I ever did it would to have a really cool anime style scar like on the eye or like in Maroni Kenshin how he's got the X on his cheek like I would do something like that I think that would be cool but anything other than that I don't think I could do it yeah dude well I mean anyways going back to uh... so yeah so getting back to uh, so we recorded with Alex and stuff and then we played a lot more shows and then we ended up recording uh, we recorded a third time but in between um, when we recorded the second time and the third time, is there anything that particularly that you want to bring? We didn't start touring until after that, did we? Um, I think we we started touring after we did uh, the EP. Okay, yeah, so we started touring after we did the EP. Okay, because we did we started the EP. Did we did we do the entire EP with Alex and then no, we did. We That's did. right. We did the entire EP with Alex and then Matt wanted us to when that was when Rascal had like a boner for us mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and he brought us to phoenix and we recorded with um we worked with matt good who he was the he's the lead guitarist and at one point was the vocalist from first to last and i think right with, right when we got there he was just finishing up with asking alexandria that that album yeah and um, that album. and because we only we only went up there to redo for the third time yes. what's done is done because rascal loved that song so much and they wanted to put his particular industry like flair on it yeah and we went up there because matt good just mixed and he remixed and mastered the other three songs and then we we retracked for like the third time um what's done is done we brought like your kit up there the guitars 
you know, and we spent like I think it was just a day. Yeah. Yeah, because we got there early. Yeah, yeah, because we got the, we had to wait because we had to wait for Rascal to get there, and then we had to wait for Matt to be done because he was still. I think that was when he was working still with Asking Alexandria. Yeah. yeah. And we had to wait for their session to finish, and unfortunately, we didn't see anybody because that would have been cool. Yeah. But yeah, and we recorded that song with them, and I remember that discussion about the album artwork. Do you remember that? Uh, I think so. It was about that, like, uh, and ended up being, uh, like a, it was like a collaboration album that, uh, Rough Life ended up releasing. It was like a, like a, a gas mask looking yeah, dude. Yeah, cause like, that was what, that was what they wanted to use for the EP itself. But by the time we had gotten to record, we already had the outwork done. Yeah, I, I think money for it. Like, <laughs> yeah, like we had it done already. It, with with the phoenix and the fg all over yeah. it everything was set and i remember rascal and matt were like against us on it as like matt was like well, it needs to be something simpler and then he was showing us like his example was the comeback song that from first to last did where it was pink and it just had a peach and then rascal was like well it needs to be it needs to be something that would look good on a small screen on a smaller scale when you're you know scrolling through your 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 music library and stuff and i was like okay i think that fits the bill it looks fine everybody knows what it is but they were really pushing for us to use something else and rascal had this one that one thing it was the soldier looked like a chernobyl dude with a gas mask mm-hmm. and a and, and an ak or something mm-hmm. on it and like some kind of wasteland area and he was like this should be your guys's ep cover and we were like that does not match tonally with what the ep is yeah it was it was the the even the color palette of it yeah too, it was, was a lot darker gray, all grays and yeah. blacks like it, it didn't fit and it was so dull yeah like we we stuck to our guns and i'm glad that we did and we we used and we released the EP with the really bright, vibrant Phoenix mm-hmm. on it, and um, and yeah, it was just it was such a weird thing to have such an intense discussion about. Yeah, but yeah, just going just being in that studio the whole time, dude, it was so that was I that was worse than Tommy. I kind of I kind of, I kind like, of agree. You, you I know you enjoyed it. Uh, cause you had, you had actually some good pointers cause they were really good with vocals. Yeah. Matt, so they, Matt they knew approached, what he was talking about. Yeah. They approached you pretty well. Uh, just, I absolutely hated that recording. I hated that whole session. It was just me. It, it, it just like, I didn't want to play the song again. Like we played it way too many times. Mm-hmm. Third time being in the studio with the same song again. I was like, dude, I don't want to do this. Like, this is so dumb. The song's already recorded. We've already released it as an EP. Like, I don't understand why we got to do it again. Yeah. And we cut down on a lot of the song we cut the intro down we cut out the clean intro altogether, mm-hmm. and we just had that weird thing that was like that weird effect a little like that 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 like yeah. the stutter type of thing yeah, yeah. that stutter thing and then it went straight, straight into, into the full the, the band riff. part yeah everyone i hope you enjoyed part one of my incredibly entertaining conversation with gabe um we dove a little bit into his you know his his uh, up and coming beginnings and all that good stuff but we we do spend a good majority of this conversation talking about just the years that we were in fireglass together the things that we did you know like you heard we were discussing the recording process and then you know we definitely go off on tangents discussing you know vocalists and stuff that we like like that whole little rambling rambling blah, 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 um, about Alex the Terrible, the vocalist from Slaughter to Prevail. So 
But yeah, it, again, I had such a good time talking to Gabe. It was awesome to be able to reconnect with him after not seeing each other for so long. And yeah, it was just, it was a great talk. Like I could not cut this episode down to to just an hour, you know, maybe an hour and a half tops. Like I, just, I couldn't do it. Every time I would think we hit a good end point, we would pause, do something else. We'd come back and sit down and just keep talking. Like I couldn't cut it down. It needed to keep going and I'm so glad that it did. So, so yeah, so this is part one of my conversation with Gabe. Part two will be out next week. So keep an ear out for that. But until then, I hope you enjoyed the beginning of this conversation and stay tuned for the epic conclusion of it. And yeah, thank you guys for listening. And as always, keep it tuned right here on Writer's Block.